I'm excited to uh, continue in in the story today, excited thinking about uh, these stories we see in Acts and what they mean for us today. And uh, today, we're going to be looking at a great story. It comes out of Acts chapter 3 and Acts chapter 4. And our our word for today that we're going to be reflecting on is what it means to be a place uh, that experiences and is filled with wonder. Uh, Let me hear you say on the count of three, let me hear you say wonder today. One, two, three. Wonder. And I love that some of you are willing to count with me as well. And um, it's, uh, it's just, uh, this is a story that I love from, from the early part of Acts, where you just get to see kind of God do something amazing. Here's the story. Picks up. Acts chapter 3, and it, it tells us this story. Now, this is kind of on the heels of Pentecost Sunday, uh, God's Spirit being poured out. And we get to catch up with Peter and John, these early followers of Jesus, and get to see uh, what they're up to. It says, one day... Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer, 3 in the afternoon. And now there was a man there. He was lame from birth, been this way all of his life. His ankles were not strong. They, they walk, he couldn't walk because of his ankles and his feet. And he was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. And when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. You can picture this scene, and you can imagine it. This guy, every day they carry him, they put him there. His only kind of recourse in life is to ask for money because of his need. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. And then Peter said, look at us. And so the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. But what he gets is not at all what he's expecting. Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. Instantly, the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet, and he began to walk. And then he went with them into the temple courts, walking, jumping, praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him. They knew this is who he is. He's the same man. He used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. They were filled with an amazement at what had happened to him. I love this uh, story when I reflect, and you, and you imagine and you think, and this is kind of how we're approaching the book of Acts, is going, this is the story that we come from. This is the story of how the church began. And, and what does this look like and mean for us today? How do we continue to be part of the story God is writing? And one of the things that, when I read this, I can't help but think and be drawn to and, and, and really uh, desire and, and believe God wants for us is to be a church that inspires wonder. Where things happen that are so beautiful and so wonderful and other, otherwise inexplicable that it causes people to experience wonder. Wonder is a really uh, kind of unique I guess emotion, it's a unique experience. I remember uh, 2015, how many people, show of hands, saw the giant puppets that came to Perth? Uh, how many people saw the giant puppets? About, quite a lot, quite a lot. And, and some of you uh, are uncultured savages. And I'm um, just kidding, <laughs> I'm just jo- wow, joking. Mm. Just kidding. But uh, I, I remember hearing about it the last minute and somebody telling me, there's going to be these giant puppets. I'm like, yeah, you know, normally if somebody tells me, like, hey, you want to go to a puppet show? I'm like, right, meet you there. And, um, but 
I remember hearing about these puppets, and we thought, let's go, you know. And so we grabbed our, our, little, uh, our little boy, Levi, and, and he, was, he was a bit younger, a few years back. Went down, found a spot, crowds of people. Now, on that week, and, and, and about half of the city of Perth, basically, was there across the weekend. There were over a million people. It was one of the largest outdoor events to ever take place. And it was like people were just flocking to go see these giant puppets. I mean, if you don't know about them, they were 11 meters tall, I believe. There's giant scuba man. He's the one we saw. There was this little girl. And you're waiting in this giant crowds, And then all of a sudden, you know, this giant 11 for us, we saw the scuba man. He's 11 meters tall, is now walking down the street. And all I can tell you is that, like, around those crowds, to look at these puppets, it was just kind of this moment of wonder. It wasn't a moment you stopped and were like analyzing why is this good or, or not good. It wasn't a moment you sort of tried to dissect and sort of figure out how do I feel about this puppet. There was just something about seeing these beautiful uh, puppets walking down a street that actually made everybody kind of stop and just gaze with wonder. Like, wow, there's something just beautiful about this. And I love that. In the early church, you see a moment like this where a man who has been in a seemingly impossible situation in life, his feet and his ankles not strong enough to even support him to walk, and all of a sudden come these two guys, Peter and John, and in Jesus' name, they bring healing to his feet, and he's now walking, jumping, praising God, and people just look on with wonder. Wow, I cannot believe what we're seeing here. Wonder, I, I believe, is something that should characterize the church of Jesus Christ. That his church might always be a people who are prone to moments that cause wonder. You know, this is a miraculous moment. It's a moment that literally there is a miraculous healing takes place. A man's life is changed. It's turned around. And as we go through the story, we're going to see all of the actual effects that this particular miracle has. And I know this. I know, I, I hope and pray that our church is always a place that looks for and leans into wondrous moments. Where we expect God to do things that are out of the ordinary. You know, when it comes to the miraculous, I don't think anyone has ever figured out kind of why miracles happen sometimes and not other times. We, there's some things we have to leave to God. But one thing that is clear here is that we are invited to be a part of a people who can expect to see God do great and wonderful things. And wonderful things are so important. They're so important because what happens when a person sees something wondrous, they begin to wonder about it. They begin to ask questions about it. And wondrous things ultimately end up needing some kind of explanation. You know, imagine if the church was just always, known, man, there's just something that is wonderful about it. Imagine if that was kind of the, the tagline that was most frequently on people's lips. You know, what's a church like? It's just whatever you believe. It's just kind of a wonderful place. It's a wondrous place. Because what happens is when people see and experience something that causes wonder, they wonder about how this came to be. In fact, what happens next we see in this story is that, you know, moments of wonder always give way to uh, explanation. 
We're going to begin to see the part of the, the reason what this miracle was going to allow to happen was an opportunity to proclaim how this happened. Because when this happened, everybody had, had seen this man. Everybody knew this guy. He used to sit, it tells us, goes out of this way, this story, to let us know. This guy always sat at the temple gates. He always was begging. He's, uh, he's over uh, 40 years old, it will tell us later. There was no kind of, this was the condition of his life. It's the way it was. And so people begin to, to wonder about this. And we're told that Peter and John begin to speak to the crowds. And they are talking to the crowds. They're telling them, we did this in the name of Jesus. It, there's so much of a crowd and a, and a kind of buzz is beginning to grow around this. It attracts the attention of kind of the religious leaders, the priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees. I was thinking that could be a cool ministry team for us as a guard, you know, like a, a temple guard. I'm, okay, nobody's interested. I don't know. I was picturing robes and stuff, but you're not allowed now. So, um, and they had, so there's this temple guard, there's all these people that are gathering. These are all the religious leaders. They come up to Peter and John while they're speaking to the people. Because everybody's like, what, how did this happen? And it says, they were greatly disturbed. So here are all these religious leaders. They're disturbed by what's happening. Something wonderful has happened, but they're disturbed by it. They're like, what is going on here? Now I want you to imagine these guys for a moment. We'll, we'll return to those verses. But imagine this. You are part of the religious leaders, the priests, the temple guard, all, all these guys. Uh, over the last three years, there's this guy, Jesus, going around, and he's kind of was attracting crowds and growing and growing and growing in popularity and people following him. He was healing people. He was helping the lame to walk. He was teaching and preaching, and he claimed to be the son of God, and, and understandably so, that was considered blasphemy for them, and they were ultimately a part of having him taken to the cross because you couldn't claim to be God, and he was put on the cross, and he was crucified in the most public way. And surely all of these people, this is only probably six odd weeks or so from that particular moment, surely all these people thought, great, we're done with that. And now all of a sudden somebody comes up and goes, hey, did you hear what's happening in the temple right now? There's all these people gathering. You know, that guy, you know, Johnny, he used to sit there, he was always there, his feet were lame, his ankles were lame, couldn't ever walk. You sit there, with people, everybody knows him, everybody knows that situation. Everybody knows, guess what happened? Peter and John came by, they helped him to his feet, they've healed him. And now they're proclaiming that Jesus is alive and he's the one doing this. Oh, boy. Yeah, I think it's probably an understatement to say they were greatly disturbed. Because <laughs> the apostles were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. And so they seize Peter and John. So this whole crowd, all this stuff's happening. They seize Peter and John. They put him in jail. It's evening. And they're like, look, let's just put him in jail for the night. We'll meet with him in the morning. We'll gather all, all the crew. We'll, we'll hear what they got to say. But many who heard, verse 4, this is what happens when wondrous things happen. But many who heard the message believed. They, they got drawn in. They saw something beautiful and wonderful. And then they got to hear them proclaim, this is who Jesus is. He was put to death on the cross. He's still alive. And it's in his name. We just did this. And so people, they believed. And the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. And we're seeing this incredible. Here's the, the amazing thing. So these, these wonderful moments. That's why I love I think this word wonder, and over and over in the book of Acts, you'll see different things. It'll talk, it'll talk about signs and wonders. You'll see people who are astonished at different things, amazed, in awe. When the church is a place where things happen that are just wonderful, it draws people in and they will hear the good news of who Jesus is. And, 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 and it grows. People get to experience the same life, peace, joy, hope. That many of us in this room get to experience today. 
You know, the, uh, one of the things that, uh, you know, I guess this, this passage I, I think should remind us as well is that this is, and this, this entire story is speaking to, to help us know this one thing. Jesus is still alive and at work today. And he's now at work through his followers. It's, it's, it's a huge part of why this miracle was so public. It's a huge part of why it was like, why, this guy, this guy who was 40 years old, this guy who was his whole life, everyone knew him. He was, this was not somebody go, hey, who's that guy? I never seen him. Yeah, I don't know. I heard he used to be lame, but now he's like, no, it was like, no, we all know him. This, this miracle moment was chosen because of its incredible public nature as well. It's, it's going to become clear that Jesus, and, and as people ask him, how are you doing this? How are you doing this? Peter and John are able to go so clearly, do you know how we're doing this? It's through the name and the authority of Jesus. He's risen from the dead, and guess what? He's still at work. The frustration of, uh, of all the religious leaders, you can imagine, like, I thought we were done with this. I thought it was over. No, he's still at work. The beginning of the book of Acts, it, when Luke is writing, he tells us in my former book, my other book, the Gospel of Luke, he says, in that book, I was writing about all that Jesus began to do and to teach. And this is him making it clear, this is all Jesus is continuing to do in this world. And what that means for us, imagine this. You and I, we are invited to be a part of that continuing work of Jesus in this world. He has made very clear. He is still at work in this world, and he is now at work through his followers, the people who call him as Lord. You know, uh, on your chairs when you came in today, uh, you'll see this booklet, and it's, uh, it's our, our And They booklet. It. it talks about joining his story. It, it's, a, it's a reminder that the same story God was writing, and you can't uh, read it right now because I don't think you're not uh, paying any attention to me, and and uh, and that will be both painful for you and I. And um, but I, I hope that you take that and read it because what it is, it, it, it's to uh, give you a bit of an update. If you're new here at our church, about two years ago, uh, it was about this time of year. We we were praying and, and seeking God for uh, his vision for our church into the future. Uh, at that time, our whole church was just meeting down uh, in Mullaloo. And we are about to reach our, our, our 40, 40 years uh, of, of being a church. And 40 is a, a great and wonderful milestone where you reflect on how everything good is still ahead of you. And um, I just turned 40 and um, <laughs> don't know. And, um, but as church, we went, you know what, this is, this is great, this is season. But we believe that God has more for us in the future. And we began to pray and just say, God, what do you imagine for us into the future? And we came to, to sort of have this picture, and, and this is where our, our vision as a church, our long-term future, to become a center for renewal as we passionately pursue the presence of God. And we know that is something, what we, we imagine is just a community of people who passionately pursue the presence of God. And as we do that, there's a newness of life that God is doing in us that is spilling outward and overflowing in this world. And we imagine that, that 10 years from now, you know, the story right now that the world is writing of the church or what people would say, and the average person's story of the church is, gee, I don't know, it just seems kind of pointless. It has nothing to do with my life. 
And the story that would be, you know, is, is written about in papers and newspapers and things like that is the church is kind of declining. Secular uh, worldview has won the day and the church will be a remnant and extinct soon. And we said, no, we dream of being part of that great renewal that we believe God is bringing. Where 10 years from now, it'll be a very different story. We imagine new campuses being planted and launched and new works of ministry taking place and encouraging other uh, churches as we're able and seeing just new life spread. We imagine that kind of story. We imagine 10 years from now, at that time we were just beginning to, to look towards opening up here. We, we imagine that 10 years from now we would be in, in Molu and we would be here and we would be, uh, have another campus that we established, our, our plus one campus, that we would actually go, you know, we're seeing God do great things and more people added as we saw 5,000, you know, added to their number that day. We dream of, of, of seeing the work of Christ and his followers go forward. And that booklet is just to give you a little bit of an update on, uh, on where we are in this story, uh, on some of the things we've been able to see this first three to five years. Uh, there are certain goals that, that we knew must be a, a part of this, how we uh, begin to reach out and build bridges to those who are far from Christ and reimagining evangelism, how we begin to empower and equip more people to carry the mission of Christ, that leadership development is so important because it can't just be one or a few who carry the mission of Christ, but it has to be every follower of Christ who says, you know, I'm a part of the mission, just like they were back then. And that's, that's our dream. And, and last year was, uh, the, you also get an update in there as we've been talking through this month, the, the finish of Momentum. Momentum was a, a one-year focus. We said, you know what, if we're going to continue uh, to move towards the vision uh, that God has for our church and to pursue it with Momentum, we had some strategic goals for the year. You can read about all the updates on those in there. And to make everything happen that we needed in that year of momentum, we believe God was calling us to, was a, a target of $1.5 million uh, to be given across all our regular giving, special offerings, one times, everything over 12 months, all our services, all our people. And where we are now as we come to the end of that, at the end of June, We'll probably, if current, you know, kind of pattern continues, we'll finish around 1.4, which is amazing and phenomenal. But it's probably just a little bit short, a little bit close toward what we believe God actually had for us. And to me, what I believe is it, it creates room for one of those miraculous and wonderful moments. We never pull numbers out of our head. We do what, to the best of our wisdom, as we seek God as an eldership, what we believe he's calling us to. And as we come to the end of this, we believe that in that gap, uh, every year we tend to take up a special offering uh, around this time as we think about vision. And this year we're calling that our, our momentum miracle offering. And, and we're calling it that because it really is, this is one of those potentially miraculous moments. Do you know in the history of our church and all the great things, we've never had uh, a, a single offering that large. To get a special offering above our normal giving, all those things, just an offering of God. I'm passionate for you, for your church, for what you're doing. I'm bringing my gift to this. It would be the, the biggest thing, the biggest offering that would have ever taken place. It would be a, a wonder-inspiring moment. I can tell you I'd stand back and wonder. And so you'll see in there, we're just inviting every person who, uh, you know, who calls this place home to go, you know what? As, as we approach July 1st and uh, the end of Momentum, June 30th, and, and are all in Sunday, we, we're going to have a special offering we'll take up on July 1st that are all in. Uh, but you can give towards it in the, in the lead up. We know many people give during the week in different ways. But, um, but we're going to take up that offering. We're asking every person to say, you know what, what would be my place in this? How might I be positioned uh, to be a part of this? 
You'll see in there's a little gift guide. It's just a guide, but to give you an idea of, you know, bringing a gift anywhere from $10 up to $20,000. Every person in life is positioned differently. And you might go, well, gee, my $10 wouldn't matter uh, on, on something like that. Do you know what? If that represents passion, sacrifice, and, you know, I'm all in on God's mission, it matters amazingly because it represents your heart to say, God, I'm all in. What matters is every one of us playing our part. That's what momentum has been all about. And I think God has created a moment that will require that true sense of it takes every one of us playing our part. You know, God can do, obviously, he, he doesn't need uh, our $100,000. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't need that. I heard this joke. Actually, can I tell you this joke? I'm going to try not to get it wrong. But there was this guy, and uh, he was having a conversation with God. And God's telling me, you know what, my ways aren't your ways. And the guy's like, wow. And, he, and he's like, tell me more. And God's like, you know, for me, a minute is like a, a thousand years. And the guy's like, geez, that's amazing. God, you're so big. You're so incredible. And, and God's like, with me, uh, you know, five cents is like a million dollars. The guy's like, oh, Lord, if five cents is like a million dollars to you, could, could I have, you know, a million dollars? God's like, no problem. Just give me a minute. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, that was the funniest thing I got uh, in my inbox last week. I just kind of found that amusing. Yeah, it's pretty good, right? Yeah, don't, please don't take that as encouragement to forward me jokes. But, um, but I, I love that picture. It's just, look, it, God doesn't need this stuff. But I can tell you what God is looking for today is the exact same thing he was looking for in Peter and John and those believers who gathered was people who said, our hearts are for your mission above everything else. And, and what can he do? Imagine what he will do through a church like that, a community like that. Whatever the part is that God gives to each one of us, what matters is simply that we respond to him. And that we, I, I believe, that, you know, God's heart is that we would be a people who are passionate for the mission. The way you see Peter and John in that moment. And do you know what, what you get to see in this passage? I want you to see how it wraps up. Go to Acts 4.13. And here's the thing. This is what's the key to all of it. Uh, this is what is the key to us being a church uh, who sees God do wondrous things. This is what, what actually allows us to be a people who position ourselves and step into moments where we see God do the miraculous. It's not because uh, we, we will, you know, just kind of talk ourselves into it or go, this is a, a great thing or I'm going to really try harder here. Watch what these guys got about Peter and John. So these religious leaders, they've been listening to these guys talk. They're listening to them proclaim all these things. They've seen what's happened. And they're like, you know what, people don't normally come in here and talk like this. There's something that is not quite normal about all this. There's something that was astonishing to them about the entire situation. It says, when they saw the courage of Peter and John, when they're like, who are these guys that are just, they're so, I mean, normally people will come in trembling, fear, there's power that they had over them. They said, no, when they saw their courage of them, and they realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. For them, the way these guys were talking and what was happening, they were like, this is a wonder-inspiring moment. They are astonished at who these guys are and how they're acting. And it says they took note. 
that these men had been with Jesus. And that phrase right there, they took note, these men had been with Jesus. Can I tell you, this is the absolute key factor in what it looks like to be a people who get to see God do the wondrous. It flows out of one thing and one thing only. Are we a people who have been with Jesus? You know, these, these, these guys, they're listening to Peter and John, and they're just like, none of this really makes sense. They're ordinary. They didn't go to all the right schools. We went through school. We went through study. We did all the right things and went all the right places. And now these guys, how did this happen? And they took note. They had been with Jesus. They asked themselves, where have we seen this before? Somebody teaching with such boldness and authority, and we didn't quite get where it came from. Oh, yeah, Jesus. Where were we seeing people get, you know, healed and rise and walk? Oh, yeah, Je oh, these guys have been with Jesus. And now their lives are beginning to look and reflect and act like Jesus. This is what I call the, the been with factor. The absolute, you know, uh, and if you take absolutely nothing else away from today, this one thing, to be the kind of church that we see in the book of Acts, to be a people who see moments that inspire wonder in the world. It comes from one place and one place only, people who have been with Jesus. Jesus put it this way when he was given some of his last instructions. He said, look, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You can't do anything. He says, so remain in me, abide in me, and I will remain in you. I'll abide in you. And he's saying to his followers, and if you stay with me, if you stay connected to me, then guess what? You're going to bear much fruit. You're going to be a part of incredible, incredible moments that inspire wonder. As people go, how? How is your life like this? How did you go through that situation like that? What is it? Why, what drives you? What makes you take? Look at this. Church, what is with these people? What is with what they started that just inspires wonder? Wow, this doesn't even make sense. This is incredible. How does this happen? And we are given the opportunity to say there's only one name, Jesus. You know, I love this question. Uh, I think it's A.W. Tozer who asked it. And he said, you know, when people have been with you, do they know that you've been with him? You know, when people have been, and, and my, my hope and prayer is that I want to be that kind of person. I want when people are around me, when they've been with me, they know I've been with him. These, these rulers, they look at Peter and John, they're like, these guys have been with Jesus. That's, that's, that's why they're like this. I want people uh, to go, wow, oh, I don't know. I don't know about everything about him, but I can tell he's been with Jesus. I hope our church, that people go, you know what, True North's like, I don't know about everything they do, but I can tell you something. Man, it's like those people, it's like they've been with Jesus. There's just something wonderful about what happens in that place. And I wonder, I wonder how. I wonder how I could know it too. Imagine people asking that question, drawn in through the wonder that God desires to bring through his church. What an awesome invitation. What an incredible calling on our lives. What an amazing story that you and I are invited to be part of. And it all begins by being a people who have been with him.
I want to pray for us this morning. Would you stand where you are? And I want to pray this morning uh, especially uh, for a, an increased hunger, thirst, desire in your own life to be with Jesus. And to desire to spend time in his presence, knowing that as you do that, that is what gives rise to being part of wonderful moments. It's not a try harder, do better. But we are invited and called to be with him. The people who gather and worship as we have today, knowing that when we gather like this, there's a special sense that, that he is with us in these spaces. These guys, as soon as they were done in the courts and with the Sanhedrin, they all went and they prayed and they all got together and the Holy Spirit came in a fresh way, filling them up and the room shook and they're like, we just want to be bold to see Jesus do even more. And it's an incredible moment. And that's the kind of church we want to be. Why don't you bow with me? You can just bow your heads where you are. And, uh, and if today there's a hunger and a thirst in your own heart where you just say, you know what, I want to be one of those people. I want to be with him. I want to abide in him that my life would bear fruit, that I could be part of those moments. You just hold your hands out in front of you. And I just want to play, pray for a, a freshness in your own life, a fresh hunger for more of God. And a fresh sense of him as you journey with him, as you create space, as you gather for worship, as you go to him in prayer. You just hold out your hands if you want to join in on this. Lord, today, we thank you that you are the same today as you were that day. And you invite us to draw near to you. Lord, for each person who stands with their hands out just saying, Lord, I, I want more hunger for you, more thirst for you. I want to be with you. Lord, I pray that you would begin to pour that out and activate it in their own heart and spirit. I pray that a fresh sense of wonder at you would come over them, over their heart, over their life. That their wonder at you would draw them in closer. Lord, I pray for us as a church that as we pursue a closeness and an intimacy with you, that as we pursue that, Lord, you would bring out of us the fruit that you desire, that new wine that you desire, and that, Lord, we would be a part of wonder-filled moments. And we would see many who come to know that same joy and wonder. We ask it today in Jesus' name. Amen.